Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. A blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus and a so-called rich young ruler, two different people from two entirely different backgrounds who each came to Jesus asking for pretty much the same thing, life, life real, life abundant, life eternal. But only one of them received that which he'd been yearning for. And the question is, what was the difference between the two? Well, that's the question we're addressing today in a message that's the second part of our current sermon series, Encounters on the Way. This message is based on two passages from the 10th chapter of Mark, verses 17 through 22 and 46 through 52. And today we start with a pretty good question for any of us to ponder. Well, here's a question for you to ponder this morning. What would you do if failure didn't matter? And by that I mean, what is it you would be willing to do even if you knew going in that in doing so you were likely not to succeed? And I'm not talking here, understand, about something that holds little or no consequence. So it doesn't matter whether you do the thing or not. What I'm asking you about today is about doing that which is of so great a consequence that ultimately it doesn't matter whether you succeed or not. Just that you do it. I'm thinking here, for instance, of Nick Walenda. He was the man who walked on tightrope across the opening of an active volcano on live television this past week. Did he accept that challenge thinking that it didn't matter if he failed at keeping his balance and walking the whole way across that hot flowing lava as he made the attempt? Apparently it did matter because it came out the next day that though he did make it across the top of the volcano, Walenda had been rigged up with all manner of safety harnesses. There was really, relatively speaking anyway, no danger there. So the only real risk he was risking was that of embarrassment. But I digress. Or for that matter, what about those men and women who decide to go for that great romantic gesture and opt to propose marriage to their beloved at a football game while everybody is watching on the jumbotron? Anytime I see something like that, I think to myself the same thing. Aren't they terrified the least little bit that this beloved will say no? <laughs> but you ask them that, and, and reporters sometimes do, and they'll say, oh, no, no, not at all. For them, true love was worth the risk of rejection. The possibility of failure didn't even enter into their decision. For them, it was go big or go home. And they did it. I ask you again. What would you do? What would you be willing to endeavor, dare, or try if the attempt itself was worth it, whether it succeeded or not? Maybe for you the answer does come down to love. Or, or maybe it would involve a long-held and much 
cherished dream. Or maybe it was standing strong for a cause that is just. My point is, is that there are things we might choose to do in this life where failure is not only a possibility or an option, but a probability. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. As David Lowe's has written, let's face it, in life there will be failure. There just will. And if we only dream of doing things we can accomplish without failure, we will either be sorely disappointed or realizing the naivete of the question, never, ever try. Or to put it in another way, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, no matter what happens. Well, we actually have a supreme example of all of this in one of our two texts for this morning. The one we just heard Gene read to us, the story of Jesus' encounter on the way with a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, who is sitting by the roadside and crying out for Jesus to come to have mercy on him. Okay, now we need to understand. Let's unpack this, this story of Bartimaeus a little bit. Here was a man who in his blindness had not only lived most of his life in literal darkness, but also had existed in poverty and far outside the periphery of society. Bartimaeus had long since in his life been reduced to, to beggar, begging passers-by for any loose coins, any leftover food they might offer so that he could survive. And the fact of the matter is that most people in his situation would have given up long ago on getting any kind of help because, quite frankly, his was always an effort doomed to failure. But here he was, old blind Bartimaeus, all in on the attempt and crying out for all he's worth, even though the people around him were trying to shush him into silence. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. He was determined, to say the least. He was, as we like to say, a man on a mission. And it didn't matter what anyone else thought about it or thought about its chances for success. To quote David Lose again, could it be that Bartimaeus was so used to failure, so used to disappointment that he saw no reason not to try at least one more time? Or maybe it was something else. Maybe it was that Bartimaeus had faith. Faith such that you could and you should always ask for the impossible. I really love what uh, Susan Andrews, a pastor and leader in the Presbyterian Church USA, has said about this. She writes, this is what faith looks like. Faith, she says, is needy. Faith is eager. Faith is assertive. Faith is hopeful. Faith is impetuous and persistent and risky and raw. Faith is personal. Faith is relational. Faith ends something and faith begins something. Faith, Andrews concludes, is about going wholly and eagerly and assertively to God. And it's about God doing for us 
what we can't do for ourselves. Like I said, I love that quote. It's a, and it's exactly that kind of faith, I think, that describes Bartimaeus to a T. And as it turns out, it's the whole reason why all his crazy and bold and impetuous shouting finally gets a response. And it's the reason that Jesus finally does answer. And why, and again, this is on the basis of Bartimaeus' faith, why immediately he regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Because, by the way, isn't it interesting that almost always in the Gospels when somebody has gone all in, as we say, to ask for what they truly need from Jesus, once they've received it, their very first response then is to follow Jesus? Wow. Friends, this story of Bartimaeus is a reminder to us that in faith we are free. Free to, to risk. Free to dare. Free to love and to live and to work and to dream and to struggle. Whether what we attempt seems great or small, likely or nearly impossible, because, and this is from David Lose again, we have God's promise that there is no small gesture and that there is no impossible deed. And that even in our failed efforts, because yes, there will be failure. And yes, oftentimes will not turn out the way we had planned or hoped. We always will have God and God will bring all things to a good end. The story of Bartimaeus reminds us that our, where our faith is concerned, we are meant to go big or go home. But knowing as we do that however things turn out, all will be well and our lives will never be the same. As the anthem we sang today puts it, his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. But at the end of the day, it comes down to whether we are willing to take the risk. Which brings us to our other text for this morning, the story of the rich young ruler. Earlier in this 10th chapter of Mark, you see, we learn of another encounter that Jesus had on the way. This time with a man who comes running up to Jesus, kneeling before him and asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it should be pointed out here that actually, as Mark tells the story, we don't know for all intentional purposes whether he really is a rich young ruler. Matthew's version of the story speaks of him as being young, and it's Luke that refers to him as a ruler. Truthfully, in Mark, he, he's simply a man, one, one, albeit, with many possessions. But he's also someone who has come to Jesus really wanting, really needing, yearning, in fact, to know conclusively what it's going to take, what one has to do to receive the life that would last forever. So understand, this was no empty or casual inquiry on the man's part. And also that though he was certainly no blind beggar, the effort of this so-called rich young ruler was to get to Jesus and find out exactly what he needed to know. And this was no less relentless, and it was certainly as determined 
as that which was done by Bartimaeus. First of all, Mark tells us that he ran up and knelt before Jesus, which in and of itself was a stance of humility and great respect, that as a student unto a teacher. And he does refer to Jesus as good teacher, which is a title, by the way, that Jesus immediately refutes, saying that no one is good but God alone. But there again, you see that level of respect, that level of, of recognition of who Jesus was. Moreover, as the two begin to talk, it becomes clear that this man knows the rudiments of the faith. He understands the commandments. He keeps them, in fact, just as he has always done from the time of his youth. So he's not come into this discussion cold, as it were. He is what those of his time and culture, and ours for that matter, would have considered to be a faithful, sincere, and righteous man. So, so far, so good. But then comes the kicker. And you'll notice, by the way, that what Jesus says next is not said unkindly, it's not offered as a taunt, but it's spoken with love. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. This is how the message puts it. He said, there's one thing left. Go, sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth, and then come follow me. And that, of course, hit the rich young ruler very hard, a little bit too close to home. We're told that he was shocked by this, and with nary a word went away grieving. Think about that for a moment. With all that he is, this man has run up to Jesus to get the answers he's been seeking so fervently. And not only has he met Jesus, and not only has Jesus honored his faith, but he's also invited him to come and follow him, to be a disciple. And yet, he, this rich young ruler immediately and purposefully heads in the opposite direction. It is, uh, as biblical scholars would tell you, the only instance in the Gospels where somebody came to Jesus, was made that offer, and refused and the reason, as all three Gospels telling the story make very clear, is because of the money. Because he had many possessions. Simply put, there was too much. Too many possessions, too much property, too much stuff for him to let go. Even if letting go would bring him the eternal life he was so yearning for. This was the thing that this man would seemingly have risked everything for regardless of the consequence. Yet, unlike Bartimaeus, at the end of the day, he was unwilling or unable to take the risk to divest himself of all his possessions. And so, as the message puts it, he walks away with a heavy heart. So what we have here in one chapter of Mark are two different encounters with Jesus, with two different men coming out of two vastly different situations. But they're asking for pretty much the same thing, aren't they? Life. And only one of them received all that he had been so yearning for. And what was the difference? The difference was faith. That same faith that frees us to risk and to dare and to love and to live. The same faith that opens up the future before us with all its possibilities. 
the future that challenges us to be bold enough to go all in, trusting in God's leading to bring us there no matter what happens along the way. Bartimaeus could do it. Rich young ruler could not. The great C.S. Lewis had it right, you know. He said that one of the great enemies of discipleship is our great desire for a relationship with God that is moderate and not too extreme. One that is cautious and calculating and, and careful. In other words, living the attitude that religion is all very well and good, but only up to a point, while continuing to place our trust in just about anything else, just in case. A moderated religion, wrote Lewis, ends up being as good for us as no religion at all. Because you see, what Jesus asks of us in calling us to follow is never to be done in moderation. Jesus asks for the extreme, for nothing less than our lives, ourselves, our all. Jesus calls us to let everything else on which we put our trust and our devotion, no matter how great or how little that be, and put away and put our trust and devotion in him instead. The so-called rich young ruler, he couldn't do it, so he went away grieving. But Bartimaeus, knowing full well he had nothing else but Jesus, was made well. So one more time, let me ask or rephrase my earlier question. What would you be willing to do if failure didn't matter? Or more to the point, what would you be willing to do for the sake of truth? For the sake of faith? How extreme would you be willing to go when it comes to following Jesus? Are you a rich young ruler, so to speak, or are you a Bartimaeus? It's a good question for any of us to be asking ourselves, especially in a world and a predominant culture that seems to thrive on wanting us to take our faith and be quiet about it, shushing us so not to upset the status quo. Be that in the way we stand up and speak out against the injustice of the world or simply in how we're seeking to be the church in this time and place, how we're wanting to be bold regarding the presence and power of God and Jesus Christ. Friends, it is my firm belief that our future as the church, not only as a congregation here on Mountain Road, mind you, but as the whole church of Jesus Christ, will be dependent on our being all in as persons and people of faith, even at the risk of failure, because we know that God will bring us to a good end, no matter what. And that good end is life. After all, if I might quote the words of one Walter Elias Disney, a person should set his goals as early as he can and devote all his energy and talent to getting there. With enough effort, Disney wrote, he may achieve it. Or he might find something that is even more rewarding. But in the end, no matter what the outcome, he will know that he has been alive. Beloved, in faith and by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, may it be said of each and every one of us that we made a choice, the bold choice, to live, to be alive. Amen and amen. 
And that's the message about Bartimaeus and the rich young ruler, recorded on March the 8th and part of our current Lenten sermon series at East Church, which we're calling Encounters on the Way. And by the way, if you'd like to hear some of these messages in person, or if you're looking for a place to worship during this Lenten and Easter seasons, please know you're always invited to join us for worship at East Congregational Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the church on 51 Mountain Road in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire. And I know that if you come, you'll be made to feel very welcome indeed. I would love to have the chance to greet you. And with that, we're at the end of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening and for your continued support of this podcast. And in that regard, I'd love to hear from you. You can do that by leaving a message on the podcast page. Just push the message button that's there. Or you can contact me on our Love to Tell the Story Facebook page. I would welcome your comments and your stories. So be in touch. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.